Welcome to Root Words, a podcast that explores agriculture and cooking's role in connecting us to our landscape and our communities. I'm Stephen Abatel. Root Words is a collaboration between Vermont Farmers Food Center, Shrewsbury Agricultural Education and Arts Foundation, and many other community members. The project began in 2017 and was made possible by support from the National Endowment for the Humanities, as well as from this community. Throughout this podcast, you're going to be hearing stories from people around the Rutland County region in the heart of Vermont, a region rich in agriculture, family farms, a region that's a pastoral working landscape. These stories are going to be each little windows into what a regional food system really looks like on the community level. We're excited to introduce you to some passionate folks working with the land and with food and bringing communities together. So please pull up a chair and enjoy. On this episode of Root Words, we'll hear about Vermont's deer hunting tradition. Hunting is important in Vermont. It's even protected under the state constitution. It's one of the oldest ways that people have connected with their food source and their extended family. And on this episode, we're going to hear from my family. My father, Peter. And we go to my grandmother's house and she looks to him and says, you really got the deer. And to this day, I can say, My grandmother never believed that I got that deer. (laughs) And Cousin Joe's daughter, Valentina. Hi, my name is Valentina Duval. I'm 11 years old, and I'm going to be talking about hunting and my deer that I shot this year. Vermont has over 800,000 acres of federal and state land open to hunting and 65,000 resident hunters, most of whom hunt white-tailed deer. Many youth first experience Vermont's forested landscape following a parent or guardian through the woods during hunting season, and if the hunt is successful, will have local venison to share with their family and friends. The time sitting around the old table in deer camp approximates the gatherings around campfires of the long ago past, where oral tradition is handed down, where you get stories of epic hunts and follies, and the stories of older, more distant ancestors. But anyway, Uncle Lindy freezing his butts off. He gets down to the Jeep to get his jacket, and I had taken it. He had offered it to me. I grabbed it. Then I told him about the doe going by. They wouldn't believe me. Honest to God, I'll show you the tracks. (laughs) And you never moved. I never moved. So there was hunting stories going on in the house as people enjoyed uh, coffee, uh, a special cookie that my mother made that she called deer hunting cookies. And if they came in and they were somewhat unsuccessful, but they had shot and missed the deer, she'd say, what, you missed? She'd get right off her shears and she'd go over and she'd cut off a chunk of their shirt tail and she'd pin it up on her, on the main beam in the house, inside the house so that uh, the hunting story about the missed deer was there. And she had many shirt tails. <laughs> In any case, he ran into me with Mia Fira and came back, and he's telling us, and of course, Jimmy and, and me, why weren't we with you then? Because we knew who she was. He knew she was important enough. He knew the name, but he played it up. 
Because I was, was going to say, it was over by Barricade Grove, Burton, Burton used to barricade the end of it, which wasn't even the end. Grant Stallone beyond it. But he didn't want people, and so... But I hunted the road before he barricaded it. Pre-dawn mornings in the woods are like that, too. Time to sit and listen and learn. To reacquaint oneself with the North Woods with your place within the seasons, and with your older, more distant family of the owls and chickadees, the turkey, the bear, and the deer. In our family, hunting was like Sunday dinner at Noni's house. I should say lunch. These dinners were always in the mid-afternoon for some reason. But regardless, an enduring practice when all the rest of life and society continues to shift and transform. I took the hunter safety course and received my first hunting license at the age of 10, just like my brothers and my father before me. I'm not sure if Gramp needed one in the 30s. I would go out following my father through the woods even before that, at least from seven years old on. Now I hunt with my grandfather's hunting rifle from the 1950s. It has carved checkering in the walnut stock, a rosewood cap, ivory inlays, and a German engineered scope. It was an aspirational, we're living the American dream sort of rifle in the 1950s. Today I haul its history and its hefty weight around the woods, the third Abatel to do so. I don't know whose red plaid woolen jacket I wear, but when I put it on, it feels like I'm donning something ceremonial. I feel like I'm putting on the official uniform of the North Country. It's so quiet out here. You can hear cars out on the road. A raven cawing overhead. Every once in a while, a rustle from a squirrel. If you sit still enough, sometimes birds will come land on you. And every morning, about eight o'clock, the chickadees come through, and you find yourself rising and living with the timing and cycles of the forest. Sitting before dawn gives you the best chance to see whitetail. They're typically crepuscular, or most active around dawn and dusk. But they're smart, too, and the bucks will become more nocturnal during rifle season to avoid hunters. I typically sit for about two and a half hours to start my day, as still as possible, in an area I know deer are active. Then I'll walk and track and observe. I look for deer trails and try to decipher the time of day deer seem to be traveling to different areas. This is easier in the snow, but you can pick out the trails and the leaves as well. It can be hard to tell the difference between doe and buck tracks, so finding rubs and scrapes is a particular note for the whitetail buck hunter. Rubs and scrapes are two different ways bucks communicate with other bucks and with doe. Rubs are made by their antlers on saplings, and scrapes are pawed into the forest floor. They leave different scent markings in each. By midday, I don't expect to see much. I'm usually getting ready to head back to camp for some lunch toasted on the wood stove, and to hear some stories from the rest of the guys about what they saw or didn't see. I'll take my time, stroll around, sip coffee, maybe have a few root beer barrels and think of my grandfather feeding them to me when I was little. And so, just like that, 
Sitting on a stump for a few minutes, I heard a noise. I looked to my left and I saw a doe moving, about 80 yards off through the trees. One of the first things I learned about the world is that you wait after seeing a doe. The buck may be on her tail. And on this day, he was. about 11.26, I just shot my first deer. I got one shot off and I saw him go down. Um, then I dropped down and got my rifle on a stump. saw him struggling to get back up, so I got another sh shot off, and now I'm just waiting. I just came back to the spot that I shot my buck, and I measured the distance. I shot it at about 80 yards. Um, and now I'm walking our drag line back. When I spotted him, he was following a doe um, on his rub line, it looked like, and he was rubbing pretty vigorously, a uh, good size little. Um, white pine sapling, it's maybe four inches in diameter. So he was distracted and busy with that um, when I got my shot off. And through some pretty thick, uh, thick bush. We've got him hanging now in Scott's barn. And tomorrow, the family will come up and we'll process him. I'm thankful that I was able to get the second shot off clean. Um, because that's one that, that ended it. And, Made it, made it quick. I began hunting at a young age, but I had a lot of middle years away from it. And to be honest, I'm not sure I was taking it too seriously in high school. I really just went to walk around in the woods then. But now after all these years, I had my first buck. And I wanted to know how my father felt about it and hear his first buck story. Um, it, it was a weekend, it was a Sunday afternoon. I had been hunting for the weekend, and as a student, I would have had to leave deer camp Sunday night for school the next day. I was too young to have my driver's license. I was hunting with my brother-in-law, who had his license. And we were both in 
East Wallingford on Long Trail. It was probably a couple miles from camp. And I was further up the hill. I didn't know where he was at the time. But when I came down Long Trail, I encountered him sitting on a rock overlooking what we called Hawkins Meadow. He immediately jumped up, I'll walk back to camp with you. And I said, no, I don't think so. I'll sit here a while. And the reason was because we made too much noise when we walked together talking. And I really knew I only had a short amount of time to hunt. It would be dark. So it was a matter of him getting off the rock, me taking the spot, and him walking down till he was out of sight. And it was a matter of a couple minutes only. He was out of sight. And all of a sudden, this four-point buck had to be watching him comes racing down the meadow from the upper part down to the lower. And I, at the time, had put my 257 Roberts up, no scope. It was speed on him, and I was following down the hill as he was in a dead run. And in my head, I'm saying, shoot, shoot before you run out of time, and finally fired. And he flipped head over heels, and then I didn't see him anymore. Well, it took only a couple minutes for my brother-in-law to come back up the hill. What did you see? What did you see? I said, I think I got him. I flipped him. I don't know where he is now. I couldn't see him in the meadow. So he and I walk in the meadow, and I'm telling him this is roughly where I hit him. And sure enough, there he lay, down in the one shot at taking care of him. So my brother-in-law said, I'll go back for the Jeep, back to camp, and I and I stayed with my deer. We both had no clue how to gut. We have ne not been around a deer that had gotten gutted. So anyway, we loaded the deer up on the Jeep and drove back to camp. And there they opened up gutted the deer for me and remove some of its contents up. and that was it and my brother-in-law and I loaded it uh, loaded it back on the jeep and drove back to Rutland where my father <laughs> finished gutting the deer showing me and Al what had to come out and what to do so that was my first experience. I was ex excited as can be, but being only 14, I couldn't drive around town to show it off. Do you remember do you remember Gramps' reaction? He was thrilled. He lit up like a Christmas tree. The his green eyes just all lit up and he first thing we got to show his mother and we go to my grandmother's house and she looks to him and says, you really got the deer. And to this day, I can say, my grandmother never believed that I got that deer. <laughs> I was so disheartened by it, so disappointed. But um, she figured my father was her hunter of her children, that he must have gotten the deer. My father wasn't even there. He had already gone home.
But anyway. What, what can you? What do you remember um, from a couple Mondays ago, coming up the hill, or with my first year? What was? What were your thoughts coming into that? What was well, your of course, reaction? I was excited, and thrilled when, when uh, first at camp, when Pete comes strolling in to say he got a text that you had downed a deer, and uh, we were to go whereabouts it was, and we were to uh, help you out. So I, I was thrilled excited for you and knowing a bit about the experience of a first deer um first buck uh pretty exciting and and happy for you and and just wish that uh you could freeze that moment in time what, what were you th your thoughts as you you came up the hill and you guys finally came up to me or, or beautiful something? deer just a beautiful deer you you did a good job and you were excited and, and were uh, telling us, uh, talking about the shot and all that. So we let you release that energy in you. And I'm recalling mine from 60 years ago. If I was 14, because I'm going to be 74. So 60 years ago. What would you say, you know, that's a long, a long time that you've been hunting that you know, Andy and Pete and I are hunting now. What What do you say is like the importance of, of hunting for our family? What does it meant? Well, in our case, I mean, I grew up with my father hunting, taking me under his wing. Uh, that's part of my memories of, of family life, hunting with my dad and was able to do that for all three of my sons to give them a love of the outdoors so that they all wanted to hunt. Um, it's, it's a family tradition. I hope that we can keep going with my grandson. I may not be around to see him hunt, but uh, hopefully I will be. Yeah, and I, I think uh, that's, he, we want to keep you out there until he is. <laughs> right. He right now is, is uh, three years old, so we got a few more years. I think one of the things that I've reflected on this deer season that, yeah, I, I grew up with the love of the woods uh, during this time of year, especially. Um, but this season, I've, I've thought a lot more about how because we sit around camp in the middle of the day and have, you know, donuts and coffee and we talk that it's one of the places where I've had, I feel like, the most access to family stories. Like these are the stories where I hear about time with your father and your uncles and those sort of things. Um, so I, I'm now seeing that as one of the the most important parts of hunting for me. You know, I know Uncle Mike a lot better from having these couple weeks a year that we're up there. That's a good point because Mike is 14 and a half years younger than me, and um, that. Uh, that very fact that we have become close through hunting together. Yes. I wonder, was he even alive when I got my deer? I don't if know. You, if you were 14, it was the, the he year wasn't. he was, yeah, year he was, was born? He was born the following June, so yeah. <laughs> wow. You were a hunter before he was born. Yep. And it, it was neat to have uh, the past couple of years, all three of my sons back in the woods hunting with Mike and I. That was neat.
hopefully my three-year-old grandson Michael will be able to take part in the family history of uh, joining at deer camp and, and uh, enjoying the hunt and enjoying the outdoors uh, and all that goes along with it. Maybe Elizabeth too. Maybe. She That's... could be interested. I can't see Sophia. No. <laughs> Doesn't seem like her. No. Her cup of tea really. I'm still an old timer though. Girls weren't allowed at deer camp. <laughs> And so was the hunting camp of my youth. In its heyday, the place was crawling with uncles and cousins. All the kids would sleep in the loft and wake to a thick smoke of bacon from the griddle. Sometimes we'd get a squirrel for pasta supper. The older cousins would build tree stands with scrap lumber. Joe's was famously in an apple tree that must have already been dead and came down soon after the ribbon cutting. I never saw any of the women of my family up to camp. But not everyone in the family was as old-fashioned as my father. Cousin Joe moved to Montana and brought his oldest daughter, Valentina, up hunting, just as we had been. Hi, my name is Valentina Duval. I'm 11 years old, and I'm going to be talking about hunting and my deer that I shot this year. So I probably started hunting with my dad probably when I was like seven. But this year I shot my first deer using a 22-250 Savage. I shot it up uh, by the Boulder River in Montana, uh, which is where I live. And uh, it was a pretty, it was a doe. It was a pretty good sized doe. It was white tailed. Um, and I shot it downhill. Yeah, I've, it was really exciting to shoot a deer. Um, some people always ask me questions like, uh, is it really emotional? Is it, like hard for you to do. Really, uh, living up here in Montana and knowing, like my dad's been hunting like forever and I've always eaten meat, uh, deer meat and elk meat. I've just always learned like that's food. So when you think about it as food, you don't really like see the emotion um, in it. And like, it's, it's mostly for my first time, it's like the adrenaline rush of actually being able to do it. So that gives you really that's like, you it's super exciting to do it so you just want to do it um i'm 11 like i said i'm in the hunter's uh safety apprentice ship so that means that my dad is like my mentor and i have like from 10 to 11 i am able to shoot a deer this year it was just amazing because it was it was awesome like it was just mind-blowing that i could actually do something like that because in such a male predominant like male tackled like world like for a long time there men were like women can't hunt yada 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 women are able uh supposed to stay home but now it is so cool to see women hunting and see women who hunt and like one of my friend's mom who is a huge hunter is like someone who i really look up to during hunting because she's done a mate like she's hunted all sorts of things and it's it's really cool to see her do that but it, it's awesome to hunt, and especially for like people to be like, wait, wait, you're 11, you hunt, and you're a girl, and I'm like, yeah, I shot my first deer, and they're like, that is awesome. So it's really cool to see that, and I love, and it's like really fun to see other younger girls who like also would love to hunt, and then like telling them like, I like I hunt, you can too, you get to do this when you're 10, and 11, if you sign up with your parents, and it's just really fun.
and it's really crazy to do but I like it yeah that's awesome <laughs> that's so awesome and I'm so I uh, I mean we got to eat some of your venison tonight which was amazing thank you thank you for sharing it it was great I hope I can uh, yeah. share some venison with you when you come to Vermont you know I just got my first deer this year what as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah long time long yeah. time coming it's so nice to hear you because your father and I uh, we, we came into hunting at the same time we hunted as kids together yeah back at camp yeah and we got Brooke. mentored from you know yeah, from, Gramps. yeah mm. from Gramp and my father and, and uncles you know yeah up there so it's really cool to see yeah a lot of folks up there and there's a lot of old you know a lot of deer camp stories it's just so cool to be with like the next you know the next generation mm -hmm. that Joe was able to pass that on yeah to you yeah. and that you're seems like you're mm -hmm. enjoying it my dad has really like he's told me all sorts of stories like when he ran into when you and him were like picking berries and he ran into that bear since I'm the firstborn he's like really like Valen we gotta go do this you gotta hunt uh and it's just he's always like supported me in it he's supported me in everything um and like it's, it's just been really cool cool to see like some fathers don't like are like always like uh taking their sons out and they never take their daughters out whereas my dad he's like he's just been really supportive on this like subject and stuff like that of my life and it's it's always really fun going with him because we're we always like stop and get snacks and stuff like that and we're always talking about school and stuff like that or stuff that's going on and then like we'll see like deer and we'll be like get out get the gun <laughs> and we have to like scramble out the door and then like sneak up on them but it's it's always a lot of fun it's a great bonding thing to do <laughs> How does it make you feel connected to, um, to like being out in the woods? It feels really cool and exhilarating because like you, you have to be super quiet to be able to like get close to deer and be able to be in shooting range and stuff like that um, to get a good shot. And it's super cool because where we like to hunt up at the boulder, there's so many amazing things. Like there's the uh, there's the natural bridge. And there's like a whole bunch of like national forests and BLM and state land, but it's so cool to hike through all of that, especially when it's like because some days it'll be snowing, some days it's not really snowy, but it's so cool to just hike through that and like you're so quiet that you get to hear everything and it's it's such an amazing experience because you feel so connected and you feel like part of that ecosystem, but then again you feel like an outsider like experiencing something for a first time. It's like if you come if like it's like if you were deaf and then you've heard someone or heard music for the first time and I feel like that's one of the experiences because you, you like you're in such a busy world all the time somebody's always talking something's always going on there's always electronics here there um and like personally me I tend to also get stuck on my electronics sometimes that's a habit um but it's so cool to just like put those aside for a little bit and just go on a hike and like see things and like bond with your family and do it uh, and it's just it's just an amazing experience to do because it, it, you feel so connected to the world and where it's like so remote and it's, it's really really awesome it's a great and, experience and in this case and tonight connected to your food source yeah and I find it when I eat my food or something that like I have done or something that like my family has done and like we're really proud of it it makes me think of like the memories of doing it like while we were eating uh my dad's elk and like my meat uh, from my deer, I was thinking about being up on that hill, and I shot it the last day of hunting season here in Montana, 
and like <laughs> the last hour it was the day after like Thanksgiving the last day and we pulled up and we got out and I remember sitting on that hill because I shot downwards I remember sitting on the hill and just waiting there and then all of a sudden this doe walked up and I was like shaking and I got it but it was it was such an amazing experience because I was just so excited and my dad was like oh my gosh Val you did like everyone was just so excited and it was just such a happy moment and it, like eating the meat uh, tonight just made me think of that and like all the good memories I just think that like if for any girls or women that are listening like hunting isn't just a boys only thing girls can do it it's it's just you have to put your mind to it and you have to work hard for it and it comes out in the end being great yeah <laughs> hear that uncle pete <laughs> <laughs> awesome well thank you thank you Val. <laughs> Thank you for your time tonight. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Bye. Like Cousin Val, I was proud to share my venison with my friends and family. Nearly all of the meat I consumed over the following eight months was from that deer. I had it on the holidays, on my birthday. I gave some to my nephew for his birthday. I still have a few roasts in the freezer for a special occasion sauerbraten I like to prepare. Some folks have their deer processed by others, but in our family, we like to do it ourselves. Aunt Sue brings the butcher's apron and blocks, Uncle Mike brings old Uncle Lindy's knives, and we carefully convert the animal into food, back straps and heart saved for the first night's meal. This year, I decided to tan the deer's hide, an arduous process that took months and much learning and humility, but I figured I owed it to that animal I saw scraping the tree that day. Getting my deer early didn't get me out of the woods for the remainder of the season. Still the baby of the family, I can play an important role, pushing deer in the forest, hopefully near one of the old men in their blinds, something I hope the next generation will do for me as I sit and remember the times out at camp with my father and grandfather. I took the end of my season to look much further than deer sign in the woods. I began to notice the mushrooms, mushrooms everywhere, chicken of the woods, reishi, all passed by November, but I had put on another set of lenses to see this place I already knew so well. And with the explosion of mushrooms after all the rain this past summer, I rediscovered another family tradition, foraging. Stay tuned, we'll be covering foraging on an upcoming episode of Root Words. This episode of Root Words was produced by Stephen Abatel. Special thanks to Peter Abatel Jr., Valentina Duval, Alan Mills, and the rest of my family. Very deep thanks to the deer I harvested during the making of this episode and to the forest that raised it. You can learn more about hunting in Vermont, including hunter safety courses, seasons, and regulations by visiting Vermont's Fish and Wildlife website at www.vtfishandwildlife.com. Our musical themes are by the Salt Ash Serenaders. We are a project of the Vermont Farmers Food Center and sage. Thank you all for listening and for being a part of our local food system. We'll catch you next time on Root Words.